Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports. With Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way, and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, the Horn. It is Light the Tower on the Move Day today on this beautiful March the 10th. We hope everybody is having a good Friday, and uh, it is not uh, it is not that good Friday. We're almost there, though. That's coming up early April, I believe, the actual good Friday. Uh, but it is a good Friday if you're a Longhorn fan. Men's basketball winning last night, setting up a matchup with TCU. Uh, and, of course, uh, you had already the women's team slated for their matchup with Kansas State. They are in the quarterfinal round, and uh, that'll be a 130 tip today. For that one, uh, that's over on 105.3 The Bat. I'm Chad Hastings filling in for all these hard-working Light the Tower guys. Craig Way, voice of the Longhorns. Well, he's in Kansas City, so he's going to be calling the women's basketball game coming up. He's getting ready for that. Our man Jeff Howe from Horns247.com uh, doing great work over there. We obviously invite you to check out Horns247.com for all their coverage. Check out the Longhorn Blitz podcast with Jeff and Rod and Matt every week if you're a Longhorn football freak. And Jeff's working for you, Longhorn football freaks, today over at the university, hearing from Sark, talking about the end of the first phase of spring practice as they get ready for spring break. So Jeff is headed back over here now, and I'm not sure if any of you realize this. There's a little traffic sometimes. Actually, you all realize this, I know. So shout out to all of you. If you're on 360 right now, that's what we are closest to. But if you're out there on Mopac, if you're on 35, if you're on 1431, if you're on Ed Bluestein or 183, whichever you prefer, uh, whichever one of the many names of roads we have out here, if you're on Ben White over by the airport or wherever you happen to be today, we do appreciate you checking out the horn. Jeff will be here as soon as he can to give you all the updates on football, and there are a lot of them. Pro timing day yesterday, it was cool to see um, some of those guys working out and in, I don't know that it happens this way every year, but kind of cool this year that it ends up being you had the guys that went to Indianapolis. They all looked they all looked pretty good, if not really good, to me. And then I think that's the case with you know as far as the agents and as far as the NFL folks go. Yesterday kind of ended up being about the guys that weren't invited to Indianapolis and can they get some attention? And me. As a fan of a, of the tight end position, I want to watch this Jaleel Billingsley story and see what happens there. Because um, I keep hearing, and by the way, shout out to our man Cameron Parker, normal producer of the show. He's over calling the softball today. They've got a one thirty start. That's on 1019 and AM 1260. And thanks to Jack Farrell for producing the show today. So, Jack, if you look at, at you know, when I look at Jaleel Billingsley, I just keep thinking, I know, I know there's not tape. There's not a ton of it, but what I've seen, I kind of liked, and I think uh, he, I thought I saw some pretty good numbers yesterday from him. Jeff's obviously going to fill the people in on a little more of that, but uh, I'm interested to see what he could become. 
Yeah, as I'm a big uh, basketball guy, so in, in evaluations you're doing a lot more based on potential. That's why a guy like Dylan Mitchell, who averages like two, three points a game, is still being looked at as a first-rounder. So as a basketball fan, drafting someone based on just the body, just the, the, the physical measurements and the, what he's able to do uh, in, a, in a pro day or something, I know there's not tape like you said, but I'm a little more comfortable taking a guy, especially in like fifth, sixth round, uh, if it's just based on a freak athletic potential. Yeah. yeah, it's not there. That was a big disappointment this year. Yeah, there's a lot of good potential, I think, that was over there yesterday at Pro Timing Day. And, of course, uh, our man Jeff Howe was there as well. Uh, I do not have the t- the same fancy intro that Craig might have, so I'm going to do it this way. Co-host of Light the Tower, he is Horns247.com's own and he hates Gerald Texas more than you hate being punched in the face, Jeff Howe. Pretty much sums it up. Thank you, Chad. Thanks for holding it down. Man, no problem. Hey, real quick, I just saw on the Twitter machine, because uh, I had I put my phone in airplane mode for a Sark press conference because I don't want to be the guy that, you know, the phone rings all the... Oh, no, you don't want to be that. Yeah. I've, I've seen Mac and Tom Herman answer other people's phones. I was like, I'm not going to be that guy. <laughs> you don't want to have Sark talking to your wife, like, yeah, halfway like, through a press conference? It, like, just put it in airplane mode. There's some still some guys on this beat that still don't understand that, but yeah. uh, uh, I digress. So CB sent me something on the Twitter machine. Today apparently is the death anniversary of Dino Bravo. Is that right? And as a sick pro wrestling fan, like I, like there's suplex through levels of sickness uh-huh. like in pro wrestling, and I'm a few notches, a few, few rungs on the ladder below that. But like, that's what fascinates me. You know, Dino Bravo allegedly died. It was a, a, allegedly, allegedly, a mafia hit due to getting crossways with some people in Quebec over the illegal cigarette trade. Yeah, I didn't know any of that until yeah. Dark Side of the Ring. That's wild. Huh? Until the Vice series came out, and I watched that episode, I'm like, wait, what? I yeah. thought Dino Bravo was just a dude with the Jimmy Hart and the bench press. No, nah, man, apparently got uh, got got one and got a couple in the back of his head while he was sitting in his den watching a hockey game. Dude, that is unbelievable. Well, yeah, uh, man. welcome in. Uh, I know you've been over at the, at the UT dealing with a lot of football stuff. I was just referencing pro timing day. I know you were over there, so I would just uh, I'll just throw it your way, and you set it up however you want to. But I know there's a lot of stuff to get to today. I just got my daughter's pre K report card emailed to me, so check that. During you the break. should read that online. I'm mean, uh, on no. air right now. I, I think mean, you should just we'll go see. right through that. Let's see if there's anything bad in it. Uh, <laughs> let's see. We should break down. You should break down her grades uh, on air. What we got here? Uh, oh man, it's not, yeah, I can't go. It's all like letters, and I got to look at what the letters oh, mean. Oh, jeez, that's right. No grades anymore. You don't want him to feel bad. Yeah, I, I gotta just a I, big check. Check. She was there. I need what's that? What's that gimmick, uh, Ralph? You had in uh, Christmas Story with the decoder ring. I need one of those gimmicks to figure <laughs> that out. So no, a good day on the forty. Uh, it's always good when we get a little bit of practice. So full pads went on today. Sark said it was a pretty physical practice. They wanted to build up to that, knowing that they're off next week for spring break. Uh, while we were out there, you know, we've seen three portions sharp as the quarterbacks have looked. Uh, in the three sessions that we've seen, uh, especially specifically talking about Arch Manning and Quinn Ewers. That's worth mentioning Malik Murphy's still not a full participant, still dealing with a foot injury. Sark did say after practice, though, that the big thing for Malik Murphy over spring break, and again, he did say the emphasis to guys over spring break, Jack Farrell, you know this, having been a college student not that long ago, make good decisions. You have choices and decisions in life and make good ones over spring break. Don't don't be in a in the headlines over spring break for something unwise. 
But the big emphasis for Malik Murphy is not going to have anything to do with that. It's going to be getting that foot healthy so at some point he can get back on the grass and start throwing. Because, again, and I, you know, I, I, upped, I, I had to pick like a time frame in years so that way I'm not all over the place. So I'll give you this. In the, last fi- the previous 15 seasons of Texas football, I only find three that Texas did not need two quarterbacks to get through a season. 2008 with Colt McCoy, 2010 with Garrett Gilbert, 2019 with Sam Ellinger. That's it. At some point in those other years, the backup quarterback had to play significant snaps, whether that's he came in for a game, he got you through a game, it's Tyrone Swoops in the 18-wheeler package, whatever it was. So developing that backup quarterback, that's why why you can take what Sark said earlier this week, and certainly some people had fun with his comments about Arch and the quarterback competition and, and competing for the job. And I think some people had fun with it, but the bottom line is like Arch Banning's development is every bit as important to this team as Quinn Ewers is because each of his first two years, Sark has gotten to game three, and then you had to go to the backup quarterback. That was for different reasons. In 21, it was for performance reasons coming off of that loss to Arkansas, and then you went with Casey Thompson over Hudson Card. But then Quinn gets certain the Alabama game, and for UTSA game three, now you got to go to Hudson Card because he's your only healthy quarterback. And keep in mind, going into that week, they had to get Charles Wright some snaps to see if maybe you had to go down that road, but Hudson Card was able to get through it. But at the end of the day, you've got to continue to develop your quarterbacks. But I thought both of those guys looked really, really sharp today. i got to look at the O-line today more than I have in the two previous days. Not a lot's changed in terms of the depth chart. Left to right with your first group, it's Kelvin Banks, Hayden Connor, which Hayden Connor's still doing some work in individual periods at center. Jake, uh, Jake Majors it's at center with that first group. DJ Campbell at right guard. And Christian Jones at right tackle. The interesting thing to me was... Cole Hudson coming off that shoulder surgery, he was dressed out in full pads today. And when Sark said, you know, Jack, when he said at the beginning of the week, he threw Cole Hudson into the group of guys that were hopeful we can get him back at some point after we get back from spring break. I saying, all right, guys coming off shoulder surgery, like how realistic is that? But Cole Hudson's in full pads, it looks like he might not be that far off. And he wasn't with the, the rehab guys. You know, Isaiah Nayer and Keelan Robinson, Jonathan Brooks, they were kind of on one end of the field doing their own thing. And and uh, Cole Hudson wasn't with that group. So gives me some confidence that, hey, maybe he can get back in this thing and, you know, you're going to get D.J. Campbell some valuable reps while Cole Hudson's on the mid. It's just, it's just adding talent to depth to that group. You know, you need – Texas got really lucky last year in the fact that all five guys started the opener, went all 13 games as your starting offensive line, and you didn't really have that many injuries. You are really fortunate – to have that happen, that's not going to be the case every year. You need probably, I'd say eight, eight. In a perfect world, you got eight starters. Well, in a perfect world, you got a legit two deep on the offensive line. But in the age of the transfer portal, probably not going to have that happen all that often. But you probably need eight, right? Like you need an interior guy, you need a swing tackle, and then probably somebody that can do a little bit of everything. Preferably, if one, either your interior guy or your third guy can play center, if somebody in that mix of eight can play center other than your starting center, because there's a reason why I always harp on backup center, because right now you don't have a healthy backup center. Connor Robertson's coming off the wrist surgery. He was not in full pads. He's still got the, the big hand wrap on coming off that wrist surgery. So you've got Hayden Connor working some center. You've got Sawyer Gorham Welch working some center, so still developing a backup center. But I'm liking what I'm seeing for that offensive line. And, and again, man, just looking at the weights that some of these youngsters are listed at, it doesn't do justice, man, especially now that these guys are in full pads. You see Peyton Kirkland and, and Jaden Chapman. Jaden Chapman is the lightweight in that group, and he's listed at 299. 
You know, you Andre Kojo's three fifty plus, Connor Stroh's three sixty plus, Peyton Kirkland at three sixty seven is what he's listed at on the depth chart or on the roster. It's just wild that, you know, Sark wanted big humans. They want to be able to play bully ball, and they've got their guys. Now can they go develop them? So it'll be fun to track that group the rest of the way. Uh, there were some reports coming out of Wednesday's practice that DeAndre Moore had suffered some kind of ankle injury. He was dressed out, full go, went through some drills. It looked like he might have been a little bit limited, but nothing serious. He wasn't in a boot or anything like that. He was dressed out and, and like I said, full pads and going through drills. So, it's good to see him out there. Sark uh, really talked up Xavier. Where I know X has been in the headlines all week with the the hand revelation and all that stuff. And we ended up talking about it for a good chunk of this week's Longhorn Blitz podcast. Um, but Sark really credited X for you know kind of showing you know walking Jonte Cook through some things. And and there was a you know a run period where the wide receivers had to block and you know. Jonte wasn't quite sure what to do. X told him what to do and then got in there, repped it, and went downhill and blocked the safety. And uh, Sark said that was one of the biggest plays that stood out to him during practice because it's Xavier Worthy being more physical and it's providing an example for Jonte Cook of here's how you do it in practice. This is what it should look like. So a lot of good things coming out of that receiver group, and they need it right now because you've got to develop that position. Maybe the biggest point of emphasis for Steve Sarkeesian coming off of last season is to develop the passing game, be more consistent throwing the football, have a better presence throwing the football because you don't have the luxury now of being able to turn around and hand the ball to B. John Robinson or hand it to Roshan Johnson. Don't have that luxury anymore. Got to develop that wide receiver position, and they've got some candidates to choose from. They have uh, gotten that thing chock full of talent, and that's not even including when you get Isaiah Nayer back. And how Keelan Robinson's going to factor in this thing, which – Man, I know I've said this before on this show, but at this time last year, the conversation about Keelan Robinson was, man, can can he just catch a ball that's beyond thrown to him beyond the line of scrimmage? Like, can he pose that kind of a threat? And man, he was one of your most explosive playmakers, and they're throwing him wheel routes. They're go throwing him stuff where he can get down the field and make something happen. So he's going to factor in that passing game too. So. You see the pieces. It's still got to come together, but the pieces are there for Texas to be much better throwing the football. Uh, defensively, not a whole lot to point out from the defense today because we didn't get to see them do pursuit drills, so we didn't get to see you know, that first and second group line up. I'll just say this. Even watching them going through tackling drills where they're tackling bags and tackling dummies, you see how explosive Anthony Hill and Leunga LaFau are when they get downhill. I, I can't state it enough. I can't overstate how good this staff did at recruiting and landing off-ball linebackers in the 2023 class. Talk about that position all the time. It's fascinated me because we've seen the body type at that position change so much. You know, we had that year a few years ago where you know Kenneth Murray and, and Jordan Brooks. You had Big Twelve guys, you know, going going in the first round as off-ball linebackers. And like, man, what 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 is? Why are these Big Twelve guys going so high linebackers? Because the, the Big Twelve had that reputation of not being able to play defense, and it angers me, Jack, that the Big Twelve still has that rep because it's like, okay, you haven't watched Big Twelve football in about seven to ten years, have you? Because it, it's it's not like that anymore. You know, this league, my man Rod Baber says it perfectly, man. It is a it is a running league masquerading as a pass dress, as a a running league masquerading as a passing league. 
They got that mirage that, oh, we're space and pace and we throw the football everywhere. And look how many good backs come out of this league. Look how many good run schemes are in this league. The Big 12 is a different league, and, and you need the right kind of off-ball linebacker to succeed in this league. And I think Texas has two of them, man, with Anthony Hill and Leonga LaFau. Now, they, they have a long way to go. Trust me when I say that. They have a long way to go. But I like what I see early. The tools are there. The early returns from the staff are that they really hit two grand slams getting these two guys in the program. So some of my takeaways from practice today, again, they were in full pads. They did some tackling drills, but you know, we, I think we were out there for like 20, 25 minutes. So not a ton to see, but did see some, did see a little bit. You can get over to Horns 24-7. I've got my full rundown of practice notes over there. Uh, Specs text line is open 337-3776. Get to some of your feedback in a minute. Uh, coming up at the bottom of the hour, we'll, we will visit with uh, my coworker at Horns 24-7, our recruiting editor, Mike Roach. Mike was in town for practice on Wednesday. For Pro Day yesterday, we'll run down some of the Pro Day stuff. I had a chance to talk to quite a few of the guys after their workout yesterday, get an idea of you know, what it looks like in terms of NFL visits and interest for those guys, and, and especially the guys that were at the Combine. And I, I even asked Sark about it uh, after practice today. Jack, I might, during the break, we might see if we can get that audio ready. I talked to Sark about uh, the, the draft process and if if now that if that's proof and based on the feedback he's gotten from NFL people, if that's proof that they're headed in the right direction uh, in terms of player development, that's something Sark has talked about since he took the job is the player development piece. Uh, so I asked him about that, but pro day was was good yesterday. Felt like Demarvin Overshone, the, the tests he did tested really well. Uh, actually, thought it was a good day for Jaleel Billingsley. We didn't see a ton of him in the fall. He had the six game suspension and then wasn't with the team late, but. Jaleel Billingsley, you know, at 230 pounds and 6'4", and, you know, ran sub 4'6 in the 40, he, he's going to get into a camp and, and have a chance to make a roster, even though his impact was minimal to none while he was on the 40 acres. But thought it was a, thought it was a good day for Deshaun Jameson. Uh, again, Moro Ojimo didn't do a ton outside of just the, the position drills, but I thought he put his best foot forward yesterday. Uh, just just a good day for some guys. Uh, you know, Anthony Cook is draw, starting to draw some interest, so uh, all of those guys are going to get looks and opportunities to make roster. It's just really weird for me, though, the last few pro days I've covered. It's just really weird now to go to a Texas pro day and the pool of draftable candidates is bigger than the pool of guys where you're like, okay, they're going to be priority-free agents and have to go you know, the long way to make a roster. That pool of draftable candidates, even with Bijan not working out and doing anything yesterday, that pool of draftable guys is still bigger than the pool of guys that are probably going to fall under the priority free agent umbrella. So good stuff going down on the 40 acres with player development. Uh, we'll probably talk a little Longhorn basketball. I know that's been talked about today. Jack, before we hit this break, actually get to some Specs text line feedback. Before we hit this break, did you have any anything that stood out kind of reading the, you know, I had some stuff on Twitter and uh I had some of the reports. Just reading the reports and the scuttlebutt out of Pro Day, anything really jump out at you that you latched on to? The Jaleel Billingsley thing, is, I think, is super interesting. Like, Not a lot of NFL teams draft a guy based on just potential. I think yeah. a few years ago, Brennan Eagles was hoping for a little bit of that. Uh, the one thing that always sticks out to me about Texas Pro Days is my man David Ash. Shout out to David Ash. Yes, I'm he's still here. I, I'm sure he's not listening because I don't know how much radio or he listens to or TV he watches. David Ash is pretty much all time pro day quarterback at this point. And man, 
he can still rip it. But like with the lifestyle he lives, though, Jack, like, you know, he hadn't just been like not taking care of himself. Like he just not getting off the couch and looking sloppy like he he keeps himself in shape. And man, when he he sets his feet in fires, man, he he can still fling the rock. He's still something there. And obviously he wasn't working out for the scouts. He just, you know, you've got skill guys there that need passes thrown to him. David Ash was helping out. He's done that. I think this is like the fourth or fifth pro day where he's done that. So good on him. And he's uh, in, I think, commercial real estate or financial advisor, maybe something in that realm. Uh, But he's back in the Austin area, and good for him, man. David Ash is doing big things with his life, as I figured he probably would, even if football was off the table. So good on David Ash. Yeah, you you, were a big David Ash fan back in the day, Jack? Uh, back in the day, yeah, David Ash, you know, he's the one the one quarterback that we had in that era that you really felt like might have been something as like a, you know, yeah. I felt like uh, he was our best our best guy but between Colt and Sam. At least you didn't write the story I did where I think I wrote at one point in time 10 reasons why it makes sense that David Ash can be a Heisman finalist. Absolutely not a hyperbole. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you all the way, man. So if if uh, Jumpin' Jack Farrell is behind the glass producing, there will be no David Ash slander on these airwaves. That's interesting. You went, you went Jumpin' Jack Flash. Craig goes Happy Jack. So you went Stones. Craig goes The Who. Yeah. For, for my nickname. That's just how I roll. Uh, Specs text line is open 337-3776. Yeah, CB, the guy Jaleel Billingsley trucked was actually the tight ends coach for the Titans who was doing his drills. Billingsley just kind of plowed him over. Made one of the biggest statements at Pro Day yesterday. Uh, it's 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 going to be interesting to see what camp he gets into and what chances he has to actually go make a roster. Uh, Bevo Lance Jason, uh, three seasons with one quarterback. I'm surprised it was that high. Uh, I guess needing is much different than using a second quarterback. Uh, yes, J-Dub, there were scouts or assistant coaches, some representative from all 32 NFL teams were at practice. We're at practice. We're at pro day yesterday. Uh, I didn't see any NFL reps at practice, but I think a lot of them came to the ones that did show up. I think they showed up maybe for the Wednesday practice and then probably got out of town after the pro day yesterday. I know once the guys were done working out, the NFL guys hit the road and they're on to, on to the next stop. Um, my my man Gringo says after listening to Jeff talk about the roster, I can't wait for the twenty twenty three season to start. I mean, it's it's a talented roster that doesn't guarantee you're going to win any games or how many games you're going to win, but it's a talented roster. It's a it's a roster where you're starting to see the makings of some talented depth form. So it 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 is an exciting time. It really I've said you know I've said this before, but it's worth repeating the the Texas roster right now. Reminds me of where the roster was under Mac Brown heading into the 2000 season. So you go back to Rod Baber's sophomore year when you had that 99 recruiting class and you had that 2000 recruiting class. So you had the 99 class with Chris Sims and Rod B, Bo Scaife, Corey Redding, uh, Derek Dockery was in that class. And then you put that class together with the class headlined by Roy Williams, Sloan Thomas, and B.J. Johnson. Nathan Vasher was in that class. So all of a sudden, you looked at Texas, you know, that 2000 Texas team, and you're like, man, the talent level on the 40 acres has shot up exponentially. And I, that, to me, is where you are right now. I mean, you look at the freshmen that are on campus, like you watch C.J. Baxter go through drills with the running backs. I talked about Anthony Hill and Leunga LaFowle. I even mentioned you know, Malik Muhammad at, at corner. 
you know, just physically, those freshman offensive linemen and Sadir Mitchell, even though that's a really deep group of veteran defensive linemen, like Colton Vosick with the edge guys, like those guys don't look out of place. Jontae Cook and DeAndre Morton receiver, like they look like they belong. They look like this is not their first spring as freshmen. I can even say the same thing about Arch Manning, and we'll get Mike Roach's opinion on it because Mike saw Arch in high school. I think that's the one thing before you get into, before you even watch him throw a football or do any kind of drill, when you just go out and see Arch Manning in person, legitimately he's 6'4 plus, like the height is there. Uh, and from a body type standpoint, like his shoulders are a little broader than I thought. So you're like, dude, he, Arch, I think, is going to look. I'll go back and look at Eli's measurables, what they are. I think Arch, from a body structure standpoint, I think he's going to look a lot like Peyton when he's done filling out. Like he's going to be. Six four plus, you know, two twenty five, two thirty plus, and just be like solidly built, but be tall. And I, once he's done filling out the the body composition of Arch Manning, was re- is really really interesting to me as you go down the line. Uh, a little more feedback uh, on the specs text line. Yeah, Gringo David Ash, a proud Academy B before uh, he went to Belton. So I think there's there's a lot of Ash family uh, in the. Uh, the Little River. You call it, is is there such is there such a is academy like a little town and then so you do the Little River Academy thing? I don't know. I just always know about Little River. I didn't know actually Academy if it was a town or if that's just the high school name or whatever. So uh, see, Jack, you gotta like this. David Ash, gentleman, scholar, Christian, and best of all, Beyonce wore his jersey while wearing a bikini. I remember that picture. I remember when that came out. Yeah, Texter asked, do y'all think Quinn Ewers will start? Yes. He's got it. I don't think there's any debate about that. Unless something in the injury realm happens, he's going to start. We haven't even talked about the running back room. I'm fascinated by it. I feel like we have like six or seven guys. Yeah, and Sark even said, you know, he was asked about Jaden Blue today. And just the, you know, last year was a learning year for him, a developmental year for him. It was especially with Jonathan Brooks out right now recovering from that hernia surgery. I mean, Brooks is dressed out. He's at practice. He's just, you know, rehabbing off to the side. Jaden Blue's getting a lot of reps. C.J. Baxter's getting a lot of reps. So then when they get reps and then you put Keelan Robinson and Jonathan Brooks back in that mix, Jack, that's probably four guys that they can count on that can go. So uh, we'll continue to take your feedback on the Specs text line, 337-3776. We'll continue to get into Texas Pro Day. We'll get into that next and some Texas practice stuff uh, with my colleague at Horns 24-7, our recruiting editor, Mike Roach. He'll join us on the other side. Also, we got to get a flex update and shout-out to the alma mater of a member of our on-air staff. We'll do that when we come back here on Light the Tower on the Horn, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jeff Howe, light this house. Man, I got up to give me some water. My throat was a little dry. And I'll be damned if the front part of my right knee didn't pop something fierce and then catch. I got to get this thing looked at, man. This is starting to bother me, Jack. 
Uh, jumping Jack Farrell behind the glass, Jeff Howe. Uh, taking you through about another half hour. This is a crash course for me today uh, on Light the Tower. I was down on the 40 Acres, a little practice viewing window for the media this morning before the Longhorns take next week off for spring break. Availability with Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, I don't have time to get to that audio. You know what? I'll probably see the ball don't lie, boys. Might be able to use it. You know what? If we get out early enough, I might play that late because I do, I do think that's interesting uh, what Sark said today about pro day and player development and all that stuff. But right now, let's go ahead and get to our flex update. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. I mentioned our flex update today is a shout out to a member of the on air staff and their alma mater. Fuck. Folks, the fighting Mike Harges, the Colleen Ellison Eagles, for the first time in their history, are going to play for a boys' basketball state championship. The 5A title game at the Alamo Dome on Saturday. Ellison taking on Dallas Kimball. I don't know if Harges is going to make it down, but he should. Shout out to the Ellison Eagles. If Ellison wins on Saturday, I want something toilet papered there on the corner of uh, Elms and Tremere in uh, the Fairburg of Colleen. I don't know if there's a tree or something, a basketball hoop. Something needs to be toilet papered in celebration if Ellison wins a state championship. So good luck to the Eagles going for a state championship in the Alamo Dome against Kimball tomorrow night. All right, that's going to do it for the Flex Update. Let's go ahead and get to this hour's edition of The Notebook. Longhorn Notebook. It is a Longhorn Notebook. Brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, your Longhorn lender. Bowersockteam.com is where you need to go for all your home loan needs. Let Aaron and her team do for you what she did for Craig and Linda when they made the move to Georgetown, made that home loan process so easy. Craig has nothing but good things to say about the way it went. Just go to Bowersockteam.com. Aaron Bowersock, she is your Longhorn lender. Joining us as he does each and every Friday on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline is my colleague at Horns 24-7. He and Hudson Standish doing the best job in the Texas market, keeping you up to date on the recruiting action on the 40 acres. You can get him at Mike Roach 247 on Twitter. Get that State of Recruiting podcast on the Horns 24-7 podcast feed whenever it drops. And you can always get his outstanding work at Horns 24-7. He is Mike Roach. And, and I may add, introduced me to what is right up there with Hayes City Store as the best burger in our fair burg. Did you not, Mike? That burger lived up to the hype. How about that? I introduced you to an Austin place. I never thought that would happen. Yeah, you, now you're you've been. How did you how did you run into uh, the Counter Cafe down by campus? Um, I think I'd seen that they had a top burger on Texas Monthly, and my wife and I were in town once, and I said, "Let's go try this place," and uh, and really loved it. So every time I get back, I try to get a burger from there. A burger was legit, man. So legit, it was fresh. It was good. Uh, Mike, we could talk about burgers all uh, the whole time we got you here, but we got to talk business. So you were uh, down on the 40 acres with me on Wednesday for practice and then yesterday for the pro day. Let's go to practice. And and for for you, you follow these guys all throughout their high school careers, and then you see them on the field, specifically with 
you know, those 2023 signees, that big group of early enrollees. I just talked in the last segment, you and I talked about it. Like the, the thing that jumps out at you right away about Arch Manning is just his frame, his size. I mean, he's going to be like one of these, I think one of these six, four plus, you know, 225, 230 plus pound quarterbacks. But what, what jumped out to you, Mike, specifically with those newcomers coming off of the recruiting cycle where you just followed them? Yeah, I mean, the whole two days was kind of a surreal experience for me because I don't typically cover practice. I don't typically cover pro day. So, like, I only, like, when they leave high school, it's kind of, that's the end of my experience with them. And uh, just to see the guys that I had covered in high school on the practice field and then even to take a step further in in their pro days, working out for NFL scouts was was a uh, surreal but, like, super rewarding experience. I think, you know, specifically with Arch, um, the thing that stood out to me is, you know, you, know, you watched him at Isidore Newman, and you can tell, obviously, he's a big kid, the traits translate, all those sorts of things. But, you know, he's playing low-level competition in, in New Orleans, and, uh, you know, the team around him is not the greatest. But when, when I saw him on the field with other big-time athletes, other big-time quarterbacks, you know, you're like, oh, he doesn't look out of place. He looks like he belongs. He was, you know, out there. I thought going kind of throw for throw with Quinn in the in the session we were able to see, which you know isn't a ton. It's it's a lot of on air stuff, but I, I still thought it was that was instructive, and I kind of think that was the 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 deal for every guy I saw pretty much. I mean, whether it be Jonte Cook, who I thought was really good in, in our portion at receiver, um, you know, or or uh, Anthony Hill at linebacker, a couple of the offensive linemen, those guys all, nobody looked out of place or looked like they were adjusting to their first uh, spring ball um, as, as guys that should still be in high school. So um, I, I thought, I think this 23 class, I think was, was a, was a group they needed and to get the majority of your good players on campus um, early, the, the top end of that class, I think is, is huge for Texas. Mike, the, the two guys, though, that I think surprised me the most, and again, you, you watch the tape, similar to what you're saying, you, you watch the tape and you see these guys and you're like, okay, how's it going to translate? And then you see it translate just in terms of you know, movement skills and explosiveness and things like that. Uh, the two You mentioned Jonte Cook, but man, Leuncle LaFowle, I just watch him. He's stride for stride with Anthony Cook. I mean, I, I, I feel like I'm just beating a dead horse it was imperative this staff do really well at off-ball linebacker in 23, and man, it looks like they hit two home runs with, with those two guys, and then there's still more guys to get to campus in that linebacker room. Yeah, and I, I feel like um, I feel like I, I beat this horse all year, and so to me it's, um, it's not a huge surprise because the guys we were talking to during the recruiting process who are on campus – felt that Leon Galifau was as high on their board as anybody. You know, they, they really went all out to get that kid. And it wasn't a case of, hey, we need to, you know, he's a backup plan or anything like that. He was a massive priority for them. And, and, and they thought that he was a player that was really just, you know, because he was in Hawaii and away from kind of the national eyes that that maybe he didn't get the national respect he deserved. And so, um you know, I, I think that he's kind of fitting in exactly the way the staff thought he would fit in when they recruited him. Um, and, and, you know, he's that's a kid that comes from a culture there at Kahuku High School where 
you know, that's one of the big high school programs and, and they know how to work. I, I think that's kind of what sticks out to me too is a lot of these guys that early enrolled, they come from these big traditional successful programs. They understand the work that goes in when you talk about DeSoto or Kahuku or South Oak Cliff, um, Denton Ryan, places like that. Those guys didn't have any problems adjusting because to to some extent they had worked on that level in high school. And so um, with Lee Fowle specifically, I, I think that's what the staff thought they were going to get. And I think they're probably, you know, pretty thrilled that they are getting it. Mike, I want to go to Pro Day just from this standpoint. We're talking about this in the last segment, and, and I asked Sark about this in the post-practice availability today. I want to get your take on it. When you talk to recruits, you know, Texas, obviously we know last year they didn't have anybody drafted. They're going to have several guys in that mix to get drafted. And it was weird for me watching Pro Day where – the pool of draftable candidates is bigger than the pool of guys that are probably in that priority free agent group. How big of a deal is it to recruits that not just that they see Texas win games, but that they see Texas start to put guys in the NFL? It's a big deal. I mean, it's something that's mentioned constantly by recruits of this school. You know, this Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, those are the schools that put kids in the NFL and you know, if you want to go to the league, go there. Texas has to become that factory again. I, you know, I, I overheard Michael Huff walking out of the bubble yesterday, and he was talking to somebody about it. And he's like, it was pretty good. It, you know, it wasn't like 05, but it, it was pretty. Good. It was a pretty good group. But they got to get back to that 05 type of group um, where you know it was you know multiple first rounders, two guys picked in the top ten. If they can get back to producing at that level, recruiting becomes a lot easier because. In the end, that's the major goal of every, uh, I, I guess, 99% of kids is that, um, you know, their priorities on going to the NFL. I even, you know, bumped into a few few guys I knew that were underclass, uh, you know, not draft ready, but were there just hanging out that I had covered. And, and uh, you know, guys with multiple years of eligibility left, and all of them were talking about, like, man, I got to have a good year next year so I can, this is me, you know. And, and every they'll three and out not an easy thing to do uh but it's it's a huge part of the recruiting piece for sure mike i want to end with this uh obviously with sark's comments earlier in the week a lot of people had fun with that uh running with the quinn and art stuff and a a quarterback competition but in, in all seriousness when you just look at the way that room flows in terms of attrition guys coming in guys coming out in the portal era They've already got Trey Owens, their guy for 2024. How deep into it do you think Sark and A.J. Milwee are on quarterbacks for the class of 2025? And has anybody jumped out on your radar already as a guy that could be a guy Texas looks at really, really hard in that 2025 class? I think there's a couple of different things in play. I think they are for sure deep into it because – that's the great part about getting your work done early in this class and in the classes beforehand is you can turn at a position like quarterback where you're only recruiting a, a smaller number of players, you can really turn your attention to evaluation and, and figuring out what everybody wants. I think the factors in play are the biggest one to me is Julian Lewis, the, the 2026 all-everything quarterback. There's been some rumors he might reclassify to 2025, and so I think if he does that, your math changes and you may see an all in type of recruitment like you saw with, with Arch Manning. Um, if he doesn't, I think that there's a lot of intriguing in-state options. I wrote about a couple of them earlier this week on Orange 24 seven um, guys that they've been 
you know, in a lot of communication with, whether that be Keldon Ryan from, from Fort Worth All Saints or uh, Sawyer Anderson from a Parish Episcopal, uh, Adam Schobel from Columbus. But there's there's some really intriguing in-state options. Kevin Sperry from Prowse the Rock Hills on campus today at practice. Um, and then, obviously, this, this group isn't afraid to go out of state to recruit their guys. In fact, the majority of their – of their quarterback takes from high school have been from, from out of state. So, um, you know, I, I think we'll see kind of what pops up out West and, um, you know, for quarterbacks, it's still that this is a big year for those 25 guys, because there's guys that probably, you know, popped up a little bit early, um, but they don't have a great read on them and they'll kind of see what they look like this spring, this summer, and, and especially this fall. So I think you saw with, um, with Trey Owens, a, slower uh a slower approach to to recruiting that cycle after getting arch manning you didn't have your guy lined up for for two years but uh and and i think that it's probably possible we'll see that again hey mike real quick i'd be remiss if i didn't let you uh shout out the staffs in our area that hosted you this week making a trip over to uh to lake belton to check on micah hudson and their crew and then making a, a quick trip over to huddo before you headed back home yeah, um, always try to if I'm out of town or I'm in a city, try to maximize my time. Which I was kind of I, I was kind of kicking myself going to Hutto yesterday because I was so tired. I was like I scheduled this 8 a.m. stop at Hutto and I could just sleep in. Um, but wanted to get over there. Coach Compton at Hutto has been awesome about promoting his kids, and I I'm all for staffs rewarding staffs that that get out there and try to get their kids seen. Um, we want to. Be able to see as many as possible. Coach Cope at Lake Belton, incredible. Um, you know, a great time over there. They've got a, a great setup. And um, and then, you know, I even talked to a couple other guys that I wasn't able to make it. Uh, I think Bastrop reached out to me. Uh, Coach Hughes over at, at Pluterville Weiss reached out to me last night. Um, so I, a lot of great schools. I don't think Austin gets seen as much by guys. Um, so would love to get some more coverage there. And, of course, that, but, you know, that allows me more opportunity for counter cafe burgers. It's on me next time. Uh, you can get them on Twitter at Mike Roach two four seven. Get that uh, state of recruiting podcast on the Horns twenty four seven podcast feed, and you can always get his outstanding work along with that of Hudson Standish and our team at Horns twenty four seven dot com. He is the recruiting editor at Horns twenty four seven. He is a saint for introducing me to the counter cafe burger and the majestic piece of beef that it is. He is Mike Roach. Mike, it was good to see you this week, man, and we will uh, we'll do it again next week. All right, thanks, Chef. There he is, Mike Roach, making his weekly visit with us, as he does each and every Friday. All right, take a break, come back, wrap up this edition of Light the Tower on the Horn, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Light the Tower. I don't think anybody really does like you when you're 23, now that I think about it. It's crazy how correct that song was. Wrapping up this edition of Light the Tower, Jeff Howe, no Craig Way. You can get your Craig Way fix uh, roughly 90 minutes from now. Actually, less than 90 minutes from now because on 105.3 The Bat, it'll be a scheduled 115 pregame, 130 tip. Uh, Texas, the Texas women taking on TCU in the Big 12 
tournament, or Kansas State, excuse me, in the Big 12 tournament quarterfinals. The men take on TCU tonight in the Big 12 tournament semifinals on the men's side. Uh, you know, those two games decided by a total of six points, to me, it all comes down to the guard matchups. Man, if you get, if Texas gets good versions of Marcus Carr and Jabari Rice and Tyrese Hunter, and you can cancel out what Damian Baugh and Mike Miles are going to bring to the table. Uh, without Eddie Lampkin, TCU won't have quite the advantage on the glass. I think K-State last night was like plus seven on the glass against uh, against TCU. But free throw differential, that's going to be the big one for me. You know, when Texas has lost this year, especially those last two conference losses to TCU and Baylor, free throw differential ended up being a big part of that. And part of that is your guards being aggressive, assertive, getting downhill, getting to the rim, and either making shots distribute it to an open man or get into the foul line. Real quick, I want to play the Steve, Steve Sarkeesian audio. This is from today. Uh, I just checked YouTube. This is not out yet. The program hasn't released this yet. Uh, so this is from the audio I took. So I asked Sark, coming off the pro day, the NFL folks that he's talked to, knowing how well his guys did at the combine, and DeMarvin Overshone with that 36-and-a-half-inch vertical yesterday, that was pretty much the only thing he didn't do at the combine. Based on all of that, does he feel like they're headed in the right direction in terms of player development? We talk about the player development piece all the time with Texas. I just ask Sark if he feels like this reinforces that they're doing the right things. I hope so. You know, I hope so. I hope that, um, you know, like, you know, I always talk to all the scouts, you know, in in the team room before I go. And I I hope that our number that, that goes to the combine continues to grow. Um, I feel like we should always be in the top you know, three to four teams in the country of putting players at the combine. We're not there yet. You know, we sent five guys this year. Um, you know, we, we should be hovering at about, you know, around between 10 a year going to the combine. And that's what we've got to work towards. Uh, and that's where player development comes, not only in the weight room, um, but also on the field and the development of the skill, uh, but also as the, as the person. Uh, because I think that says a lot when you do the interviews with, with the NFL teams and, and how you represent yourself in the University of Texas and also your knowledge of the game. All those things matter. And um, we put a lot of time and effort into it. So hopefully we continue to see the growth that, that we saw from year one to year two. There it is. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian talking about the player development piece as it relates to the NFL. Real quick note from the National Football League. This just came down. I think this actually came down during the break. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Jack, do you know what the favorite pastime of the Dallas Cowboys is right before free agency starts? It's their, it's their favorite pastime, and it's the word that all Cowboys fans have come to know so well. Are just getting too excited about nothing? Restructure! There it is. Deal's getting restructured. They have restructured the contracts for Dak Prescott, and probably for the 19th time, Zach Martin has had his deal restructured. That's going to save the Cowboys about $30 million on the cap, so they'll be under the cap when free agency starts. Uh, the restructuring of the Dak Prescott deal, that's going to save the Cowboys alone about $22 million in salary cap space. So the Cowboys are ready to, as Jack just alluded to, get into free agency and wait for everything to clear off and then go sifting through the bargain bin. Good, Their Cowboys are goodwill shoppers at uh, – at free agency time, go get you some Adam Thielen. It's like, ooh, that's a that's a good find. Ooh, that looks that looks cheap. Hey, you know, it's it's got some nicks and dings, but hey, we'll we'll take it. We'll take care of it. It's no problem. That's that's how the Cowboys approach free agency. Jack, not an easy task today, sir, with so many moving parts. But uh, awesome job today. Thank you for uh, being at the helm of this. Hopefully, Craig and I are both back in studio together on Monday, along with Cameron Parker. But if we're not. 
Today is proof we can make it work. For the absent Craig Way, for the absent Cameron Parker, for Jack Farrell and former man Mike Roach, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for listening. We'll pass the baton to Chad and Zay, and we will be back on Monday to light the tower on the horn, live, local, and digital, on the horn app and at hornfm.com.